Boy, we as clinicians, because we're human, and all humans are flawed, right? I mean, no one's perfect. Don't we just have a special knack? I mean, we really do have a special skill of taking a wonderful diagnostic test or a wonderful medication, and because of misapplication, put those things at risk for future use because the FDA may pull them from circulation. Don't you remember back in 2018 when the FDA released a Dear Doctor letter about tests for ruptured membranes, Amnesure and ROM Plus, or other varieties? Because people were using those tests alone to diagnose ruptured membranes. And while those tests are fantastic and they definitely have a place, remember they're ancillary and don't take the place. They don't replace physical examination, sterile spec exam, and a good detailed history are still the clinical gold standard for diagnosing ruptured membranes. Well, no, I'm not talking about amnesia or ruptured membranes in this session, but the same concept applies to a medication that's now under the watchful eye of the FDA. I'm talking about transagamic acid. Back in 2020, the FDA first released a warning on misapplication, inadvertent injection of TXA in the wrong place. And it's still a hot topic right now. Why? Because just at the end of October of 2022, a statement came out about TXA, a new warning that we're going to cover in this session. I mean, and this is potentially life-threatening when used in the wrong way. Because this is still a hot topic, and it's still coming out in print as recently as the end of October 2022, I thought, you know, we definitely need to get a podcast episode out there. So this is half PSA, public service announcement, about the potential danger when TXA is injected into the wrong place. We're going to cover that. And in the other half, we're going to do an update on the prophylactic use of TXA, because a lot has changed even from our last podcast. Some time ago, I covered the TRAP studies. That's T-R-A-A-P, TRAP-1 and TRAP-2, that covered the prophylactic use of TXA both at vaginal delivery and at C-section. But even that information is now outdated because we've now got, since 2018, an almost yearly update to this information. So, ready? We're going to cover the public service announcement on the potential warnings and dangers of TXA when injected into the wrong place. And then the other half, we're going to give an update from 2017 all the way up to current 2022 on the prophylactic use of TXA at both C-section and vaginal delivery. Here we go. Our goal is to keep everyone up to date in practicing evidence-based medicine because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Before we get into this literature review and quick update on all things TXA, a quick word about TXA's mechanism of action if you're ever asked. Remember that tranogamic acid is a synthetic reversible competitive inhibitor to lysine receptors on plasminogen. Man, that's a lot of words. So let's say that again. <laughs> Basically, it hits lysine and replaces it, and it prevents plasminogen from turning into plasmin. In other words, it keeps fibrin clot intact and prevents its dissolution because remember that plasmin's job is to help break up a clot. So it helps solidify clot presence by keeping fibrin intact, but it does that by being a synthetic, reversible, competitive inhibitor to lysine at the plasminogen level. 
Boo, basic sciences, I know, but we got to go over that because it's a critical part of understanding how TXA works to both prevent and treat postpartum hemorrhage, all right? Okay, now let's get on to the clinical stuff. Man, I love it when our tagline to this podcast really comes to life. I mean, medicine moves fast, right? It sure does. Yeah, I remember first reporting on the women's trial that was back in 2017, which was first showing benefit of TXA use for established postpartum hemorrhage. That was in the journal The Lancet. That was 2017. Man, that's a long time ago. That was pre-pandemic. A lot of stuff has happened since then. Well, almost yearly, I mean, from 2018, 2020, 2021, and 2022, there's been new information about TXA use in the field of obstetrics. Now, remember that the original woman trial in 2017 focused on established postpartum hemorrhage. And even ACOG, the college, and SMFM, shortly after the release of the woman trial, jumped on board and said, man, this is something we definitely have to do. And even though there's data on this prophylactic use, in other words, starting at 500 and using it before they get to the 1,000 ml blood loss cut off for the diagnosis of PPH, at that time, the college said, well, we just need more data. Well, we have that data now. So a lot has happened from that 2017 initial publication in The Lancet. So let's cover this quickly from 2017 as a quick timeline up to 2022, all right? Then we're going to touch on the mechanism of action of TXA and then get to what really matters here, which is this public service announcement because there has been deaths from TXA. Now, wait a minute. Let me be very, very clear. TXA is a great medication when it's administered correctly. But yeah, I mean, there's been deaths because of its incorrect application. But before we get into that, let's do this quick roadmap from 2017 ending in 2022, which is where we're at right now. Let's start in 2018 with the TRAP study. Remember, that's T-R-A-A-P. That's a transagamic acid for the prevention of blood loss after vaginal delivery. So this is not established PPH. TRAP looked at use of TXA for the prevention of PPH. This was in 2018, and this was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And before we get into the results, this is why we need more than just one study to build a predominance of evidence either one way or the other. Because this study in 2018, the original TRAP study, again focusing on prophylactic use of TXA at vaginal birth, actually showed that it didn't do anything. It didn't work. So TRAP1 in 2018 showed no real benefit for the prophylactic use of TXA. So it seemed to kind of validate the ACOG's stance that it should only be used for established postpartum hemorrhage. But wait, there's more. You see, this is exactly why we do this podcast, because if you just left it at 2018 with TRAP1, you're like, meh, I don't know, maybe we won't use it for prophylactic indications for vaginal delivery because it just didn't seem to work. And it was a good study. But medicine moves fast and then data changes and other studies either validate one report or nullify it. Well, that was the case in 2020. This was a meta-analysis, again, for the prophylactic use of TXA at vaginal birth. This was in the Journal of Maternal Fetal Medicine and was a meta-analysis of four RCTs with close to 5,000 participants. Well, the conclusion from this meta-analysis, not just one report, was that the prophylactic use of TXA, one gram, given within 10 minutes of vaginal delivery, did indeed reduce the primary incidence of postpartum hemorrhage. In that same year, a different systematic review of three trials, again on the prophylactic use of TXA, but this time at cesarean section, 
also found a decreased rate of postpartum hemorrhage. So remember, 2017 was the woman trial that was for established postpartum hemorrhage. That was as as an intervention once they hit 1,000 mLs of blood loss. But then came this information that it could be useful not just at vaginal delivery, but also at C-section when given before they hit the 1,000 mL cutoff as a prophylactic measure. So we've got in 2018 and then two studies in 2020, one a meta-analysis and the other one a systematic review. In 2021 came TRAP2. Remember, that's T-R-A-A-P. And this is the second TRAP study. This also was done as a prophylactic indication for TXA at C-section. And the results were also positive that, yes, it did reduce the rate of primary postpartum hemorrhage when used prophylactically, not just for established postpartum hemorrhage. That brings us to our current year of 2022. This year, in the journal Gynecological Obstetrics and Human Reproduction, a separate meta-analysis was done of 17 RCTs that looked at the prophylactic use of TXA at vaginal delivery. And the conclusion? It was very clear. According to these authors and this result of this meta-analysis, quote, TXA should be integrated as a formal part of the active management of the third stage of labor in all vaginal deliveries, end quote. So we've gone from the original woman trial in 2017 that called for TXA only when established postpartum hemorrhage occurred to now the validated use as a prophylactic agent. And yep, it's not just at vaginal delivery, but it's at C-section as well. By the way, it's been looked at in high-risk patients at C-section, those with high propensity to bleed, and even low-risk patients. So there is evidence-based data. There is a mound of evidence calling for the prophylactic use of TXA before they get to the 1,000 ml blood loss. Well, the question is, well, then when should you use it then? When does it become prophylactic? Well, by expert opinion and based on this data, it seems that given it at 500 mLs when the search for the four Ts should be initiated, remember the four Ts of postpartum hemorrhage? That's tone, tissue, uh, trauma, and then thrombin, or ironically, the lack of thrombin. Those are the four Ts. But at 500 mLs, giving TXA prophylactically at either vaginal delivery or C-section is actually evidence-based. All right, fine. So now we've talked about TXA for its original approval and ACOG backing for established PPH. And then we covered the data from 2018 up to 2022 that shows, yeah, there actually is a benefit for using it prophylactically if you desire to do that for vaginal delivery and C-section. But now let's get into what we really wanted to talk about because nothing will mess up a great medication, something that has potentially life-saving ability. Nothing would put that in jeopardy like using it incorrectly by accident. And that's exactly what's now come out in print as another PSA, public safety and public service announcement, to keep patients safe. And if we don't get this thing in check, I mean, the FDA has already threatened to pull this from the market to prevent maternal deaths. Now, thankfully, let me clear the stage. Let me take everybody off the fence. It's not a huge problem, but it is a problem. And one death from inadvertent or misapplication of this is too many. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
All right, podcast family, let's get to it. Let's cover this public service announcement because to be honest, look, I didn't know this was a big thing. I remember back in 2020 when that FDA alert came out and I'm like, surely we're not doing this. But it is a thing and it's not just in the U.S. It's a global problem. So this was again in print on the 27th of October, 2022. Now, this is such a big deal that this was simultaneously coming out in a bunch of different articles, okay, in a bunch of different journals. So the same message, the same article, the title of which is Tranicamic Acid at Caesarean Delivery, Drug Error Deaths, is coming out in the following journals. One, it's coming out in the International Journal of Gynecology and Obstetrics. It's coming out in BJOG. It's coming out in the International Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, that's the Gray Journal, and the European Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology and Reproductive Biology. One article is coming out simultaneously in all of those different journals. Now, unless you keep up with academics or know how this works, that's very unusual because normally one journal likes to own an article, right? I mean, you submit it to one journal and you give it, the copyright goes to that journal and it's housed in that box. So for one article, the same thing to come out across different journals is kind of a big deal. That's a public service uh, uh, announcement. And that's why this is a big deal and why we're covering it here. Again, the title is Transigamic Acid at Caesarean Delivery, Drug Error Deaths. So to be very clear, this is not regarding vaginal births, but this is things that are happening in labor and delivery in the OR. And again, I didn't know it was this big of a deal, but it really is. So what's going on in the ORs with TXA at C-section? Well, again, these are all errors, right? I mean, no one's meaning to do this, but it still happens. Now, so there's been some changes in the U.S. labeling of TXA and what these little containers look like in order to prevent this. But the easiest way to prevent this from happening is not to have the little vials of TXA anywhere near the anesthesia cart, all right? Just keep it away from that. I do know that some hospitals kind of kept it in the in the anesthetic cart, like as as part of the crash cart issue uh, where anesthesia lives, but it's a little dangerous to do that because of this issue. Well, what happened? Well, according to the FDA and global watchdogs, including the World Health Organization, it's been identified that there's been a number of cases where inadvertent intrathecal administration of TXA has been done instead of local anesthetics. This is typically done, of course, for spinal anesthesia. So what happens when this is given by air intrathecally, like part of a spinal, mistaking it for local anesthesia? Well, the results are catastrophic. It causes rapid onset of convulsions that have a mortality rate of 50%. That's 50, five, zero. We've actually known this since 1980, when it was first reported that the intrathecal administration of TXA caused profound neurotoxicity. TXA antagonizes the inhibitory gamma-aminobutyric acid type A and glycine receptors, causing profound neuronal excitation. Yep, it just fires all those neurons at once. The typical presentation is abrupt spinal segmental myoclonus, rapidly progressing to generalized convulsions and malignant arrhythmias. Central nervous system pharmacotherapy has been advocated for treatment, and in a recent case, ventriculolumbar lavage with normal saline to try to remove TXA from the cerebral spinal fluid has been reported. The truth is, you don't even want to go there because we shouldn't be injecting this thing intrathecally to begin with. These reactions, of course, are not just life-threatening, but they have been fatal in some occurrences. 
as we mentioned before, this is already under the watchful eye of the FDA, and it's got in global press because it's also on the watch list for the WHO. So again, great medication, not just for established postpartum hemorrhage, but also it has some prophylactic indications as well at both vaginal delivery and C-section. But we got to make sure to keep this in safe hands, all right? So make sure that you discuss this with your anesthetic team. Uh, talk with your CRNAs, your anesthesiologists, because this shouldn't be anywhere near an anesthesia cart just to prevent the inadvertent administration intrathecally. Now, the FDA has gone through several things. They've kind of changed the labeling and the appearance of these little vials, but they do look pretty darn similar to local anesthetics. So be very careful and never give this intrathecally. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. We have covered a very important PSA from both the FDA, the World Health Organization, and a variety of different journals calling attention to the potential misapplication and dangerous use of TXA when it's given by error intrathecally. As always, we're thankful for you all. Thanks for being part of our podcast family. Keep that TXA safe, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.